Welcome to the Corner Booth. I'm Chris Tripoli, along with my friend Barry Schuster, the founding editor of Restaurant Startup and Growth Magazine. How you doing, Barry? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks very much for asking. I'm looking forward to talking to our special guest today and finding out how they got in the restaurant business, why they got in the restaurant business, and hearing some pearls of wisdom from them uh, that would be useful to our, our listeners today. Absolutely. And we're going to have some fun because we've got a really good show lined up. So uh, grab a drink, make yourself comfortable, and welcome to the Corner Booth. fortunate today to have in the studio Mr. Levi Good. He's the chef owner of Good Company Restaurants. I think this is going to be an excellent, excellent conversation for our listeners because through Levi, we're going to hear um, anything that anyone might want to be concerned with, whether it's getting started with new concepts, whether it's managing through family business, whether it's catering, even retailing a product line. Levi's had an opportunity to touch it all. Levi, welcome to the Corner Booth. Chris, Barry, thanks for having me today. Well, it's a pleasure meeting you, Levi, um, and welcome to the Corner Booth. Uh, why don't you let us know a little bit about uh, how you got into this business? Um, where did you get started in the restaurant world? Well, it was uh, at the, the ripe old age of about three years old. Uh, my, <laughs> my parents uh, got the crazy idea, really my father's idea, to, uh, to open a barbecue restaurant back in 1977. And uh, prior to that, he was a commercial graphic artist. Uh, so he was, he was a guy that would hand, hand design and draw logos for you know, a variety of different companies that would uh, typically come through uh, uh, advertising agencies. Uh, and uh, he was kind of known as a guy that would get a job at 5 p.m. and uh, have a logo turned around and, and all the other uh, graphic design aspects for companies by, by the next morning. And, um, and so he just got tired of the grind of, uh, of you know, working the graveyard shift to, to get that done. He was always a, a very creative guy. And uh, so he looked towards uh, a few passions that he had as far as uh, what he wanted to do with his um, next step in his, his career. And uh, he was either gonna uh, move to the coast. He was an avid saltwater fisherman. He was gonna move to the coast and open up a bait camp so he could have you know access to, uh, you know, Texas Bay system and, and be able to um, go out and catch a, a string or a redfish or trout at, uh, at the drop of a hat. Or he was going to open up a barbecue restaurant. He had become a, a pretty avid uh, backyard barbecuer. And, uh, you know, when business would get slow in his graphic design business, uh, he shared a studio with a few other folks uh, that would throw parties and invite uh, ad agencies out. And he was always the guy that would uh, would smoke barbecue for the for the parties that they'd thrown. So he'd got a name for himself as far as uh, being pretty pretty handy around a around a smoker. And um, so as that was kind of rumbling around his mind, uh, in one of these long nights where he um, had worked all night, uh, his studio was off of uh, Bissonette, just there by um, the volcano volcano lounge. If you guys might be familiar with. Right around the corner from our original barbecue restaurant, and um, one fateful day, he uh, he strolled in there for a late lunch, which it was a barbecue place called the Red Barn Barbecue, which was you know, around in the '60s and early '70s. Remember that one? I remember <laughs> when I moved here. Uh, ah, Red Barn. Yeah, uh, as my dad uh, once put it, you know, it, it kind of got a name for itself, um, you know, making people sick, which wasn't. <laughs> you know, probably the, the best thing to uh, to jump into, but um, uh, that one one day he went in there and, and got a sandwich, and uh, the lady, the, it was a husband and wife that owned it. That particular day, the husband was not uh, not uh, there at the block and 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 on the line serving uh, the customers that came in. It was just the wife, and she kind of looked distraught. And uh, as he sat down and you know had his sandwich, she came over and talked to him because they'd uh, he'd been in there you know a few times before. And, uh, you know, she'd mentioned that her husband had passed away since the last time he'd been in. And she was, it was his dream, and she was kind of stuck uh, running this restaurant, and she didn't have any, uh, any desire to continue to do so. Uh, so that fateful afternoon, they, uh, wow. they made a deal. And uh, I think uh, my father had about 3000 in, in our savings account. Had about another 3000 owed to him by, uh, by ad agencies and uh, just offered it all up. And uh, she took off the apron, gave him the keys, and said, uh, you know, 
send me the money when you get it, and uh, I'm out of here. So it was uh, bait, camp, or barbecue. Uh, your dad would have probably been wonderful, um, you know, with the fishing and the bait, but on behalf of uh, foodies uh, everywhere, uh, we're so happy that he chose the barbecue. And, and you know, Chris, it, we listen to these stories, and uh, one thing really hits me is that for a lot of these folks who get into this business, it, it's an amazing act of courage. I mean, we can look back and say, okay, now Levi's been tremendous success, and we're going to hear about um, what he's accomplished as an operator, which is amazing. But, you know, that first step that his dad took, I mm -hmm. mean, that's a huge leap of faith. You really need to have some backbone to make that kind of decision. You have a young family, you right. have an established career, and you want to do this, and um, that's a very courageous act. I got to believe that your, your your whole family had to be behind him. You don't do stuff like that unless the family uh, believes in, in, in the dream. True, and, uh, and, uh, and another point that I'm hearing early on too, uh, Barry, in addition to courage uh, and risk that first-time operators are faced with, uh, this is another reminder of following passion. So, uh, he obviously followed his main interest, uh, or he wouldn't have done the risk and jumped into making what he was doing good at, slow smoked barbecue, into the business at his day. What do you have to say about that, Levi? You were there. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I guess um, we don't have much to lose financially. Uh, <laughs> it can't get much worse. It's, uh, it's all upside from there. But you're, you're exactly right. I mean, it was... Uh, it was not a, a an easy um, easy run at it, and it took a lot of hard work. Um, he enlisted my great uncle, uh, uh, Joe Good, that was a, a prisoner of war in World War II, and also uh, a very good cook. And we'd come from a, a, a pretty good line of uh, of home cooks, uh, both sides of my my family, but. Um, you know, it was, uh, he knew nothing about operating, you know, commercial restaurant equipment. Sure. Uh, surely didn't know anything about managing food costs and any of the other things that go along uh, with managing a successful business in this day and age. Uh, but he did have passion and uh, uh, he had uh, the creative ability to really focus in on, you know, how to take something and make it his own. And uh, they used to spend the nights there um, and with an alarm clock, they'd sit on the hour every hour just checking briskets, making sure that, uh, you know, they didn't get overcooked or um, that everything was working working right so we had uh, food to sell the next uh, next lunch day. So, um, now, it, there, there's no easy way around it. It's, it just, it's, you have to be passionate about it or you, won't, you can't be successful in this business, in my opinion. So what did you learn coming up through that experience that led you to um, your present enterprise, you got quite a few concepts, and, and I and I also like you to you know tell our listeners about where you are right now, so they can appreciate what you have done in this business. But were any any key uh, learning points that uh, you experienced coming up uh, during that time that kind of set you up for the success that you've enjoyed today? Sure. Well, I mean, uh, first and foremost, um, you know, people is is the is the most important. Um, aspect of what we do and uh, it, it's really the people on both sides of the plate it's not uh, it's not just the customers coming in the door uh, and spending uh, you know spending their hard-earned dollars on uh, what you have to offer them it's uh, it's it's the folks that allow uh, us to put the, the style of food that's um, very much a, a part of my family heritage uh, on the plate consistently uh, and and to the level and standard that we're looking for on a day in day day out basis. So, really having the, the and developing the right culture and, and having the right people in place that you know, are loyal and, and really uh, enjoy uh, adding value and con contributing to something that's uh, larger than any one of us uh, has really been, I think, our key, our key ingredient to success. So, tell us um, where you are right now because uh, I also want to ask you after we get a full picture of what you've accomplished you know how do you how do you maintain that culture and that um attitude among your staff and and within your operations you know when you're going from one to two to three to my gosh where you are now and with you it went from one to then a different concept I believe. Didn't you get into the Gulf Coast Seafood as the next step? So the next, uh, after barbecue, we opened in 1977 with our barbecue restaurant. It was uh, 1981 we opened our good company, Taqueria. 
Oh, there you go. That was next. And it was it was uh, right when you know the bottom fell out of, of Houston, Texas, with uh, uh, oil, and um, th- that 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 bust really uh, created uh, a terrible time economically for Houston. Uh, as a result, there was some property across uh, across Kirby from our barbecue restaurant that uh, our community banker had foreclosed on whoever owned it. And uh, that property um, housed a, a, a defunct Del Taco uh, concept out of California that was a Mexican fast food concept, right. which, which is now our, our good company, Taqueria. Uh, it also had a, had a warehouse on the building that was a, a pretty decent sized warehouse that would eventually become our commissary. Um, and then it had a, some raw land that we uh, ultimately ended up developing uh, for our good company, Seafood Restaurant. So. Um, you know, again, with my father um, being uh, the creative type, he, he looked at these, um, these restaurants as, as part of his own you know, art projects. And uh, uh, he, he, was, uh, you know, he was wanting to do something new and different. And he had, built a, he had built a pretty good following at that point in time with our barbecue restaurant that, uh, you know, what was next and this opportunity came up, uh, didn't make sense to do another barbecue right across the street. So. Um, you know, all of our style of food and, and really what you see uh, across uh, all of our menus are, are very much a, a product of our uh, upbringing, influences, and experiences uh, here in, in the Gulf Coastal Plains of Texas and very much uh, personal and, and family, family recipes that, that we look towards to develop uh, new restaurants. Wonderful. So the Taqueria uh, opened up well, as I remember. And, and it's still a very, very successful concept today. Uh, behind that came the Gulf Coast Seafood-style uh, restaurant that you have, and, and that's been operating for, what, well over 30 years, I believe? It has. We opened in uh, 1986 there. You know, with, uh, with the Del Taco restaurant, and this is just, you know, kind of trials and tribulations of the restaurant business. You know, we'd had a, we had a, a barbecue pit that was a, a J&R manufacturing uh, it was who built the barbecue pit at our Kirby restaurant. They had a prototype grill um, that was a, a wood-fired uh, grill that uh, uh, they they loaned to us to, to test out in our new taqueria to grill fajitas. And uh, so the hood wasn't set up for uh, <laughs> wood-fired uh, equipment. Sure. And uh, we, you know, first week we burned, burned, almost burned the restaurant down. <laughs> we caught the wall on fire. Because uh, mesquite burns at you know 1,400 degrees, and uh, wow. so it's just uh, living and learning. And over the years, um, we built a, we built a great culture. Uh, a lot of our culture has to has to do with um, my, my family's just uh, uh, values, um, and we we tend to uh, look towards uh, developing those values and, and hiring uh, folks to to join our teams that. Are aligned with those values, and uh, you know, it comes down to, to quality and, and putting your best foot forward, and attention to detail, and all that good stuff. You know, as a growth strategy, a lot of independents who are going from one to multiple units will try to stick with the same concept that's working. And you decided to um, actually expand your business through various concepts, which seems very intimidating to me because now you're dealing with a different menu, um, a different style. Um, but what can you take from one concept to the next concept, even if you're dealing with a different menu and a different type of brand or different type of concept, at least, you can tell our listeners about that, you know, that, that provides some, at least some consistency in terms of systems or whatever that doesn't make it feel like you're starting from ground zero every time you're opening a new place? Sure. I mean, on the back end, I mean, Really, kind of do two distinctions. I mean, barbecue is in its own world because it's not a it's not a cook to order type business. You're 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 kind of you're gambling on how many people are going to come in and, and eat. So, you know, in, in order to, to be successful, in my opinion, at least put quality food out in the barbecue realm. Um, you know, it, it, the the people coming in the door is really uh, the cure all because that way you can keep your 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 barbecue turning and everything stays fresh and you're not having to. You know, waste all your your uh, your product in the trash can, or make a bad decision, in my opinion, to sell something that may not be up to standard. As far as uh, just basic uh, restaurant management, um, 
from a service standpoint, uh, having uh, the same style of service um, and that hospitality um, is, is, we think, a very important aspect uh, and cornerstone of, of operating a business. Consistency is another one. So things you learn um, from, a, from a prep cook standpoint um, are, are very, very transferable from, from one concept to another. So really kind of getting these systems um, uh, documented and trained um, in our documentation um, for, for many, many years, we were we have lacked in documentation. In fact, to this day, I think we can stand to use a little bit more documentation, especially as we continue to grow and, uh, and add more people to our, to our team. Uh, so a lot of it, is, it has been just kind of word of mouth and uh, training. We've had the, the luxury over the years of uh, many long-term uh, loyal uh, staff members that have uh, you know, uh, really mastered their craft and they're able to, uh, to train others uh, in those areas. So those have really kind of been foundational for us to allow us to you know, continue to grow and, and apply uh, those fundamentals to other uh, concepts we have, have jumped into. When along, <clears throat> along this road of beginning expansion of concept and development of new concepts, did you realize uh, that Good Company Barbecue had one particular dessert item, that pecan pie, that created such a retail wave that it now heads up a complete what, retail catalog and I think its own kitchen? Maybe you could share the listeners how that kind of product packaging started, uh, what kind of attention it required, how how it's marketed today. Because I think it's it's as a product, it's arguably one of the best pecan pies that's out there, and it probably leads most others that I know of in um, nationwide sales. I think, but clue us in. Yeah. So um, we, as I mentioned before, we were not uh, restaurant. Tours uh, just had a passion and a dream, and and uh, you know went after it as a family. Um, and and part of that process was uh, you know cooking stuff we knew how to cook. And uh, you know my the the our pecan pie is my my grandmother's recipe, so it's been on our our menu since day one. Um, as this uh, this oil bust and, and boom has occurred now several times in in our existence of, of restaurants. Uh, that particular uh, bust and and then kind of uh, I guess uh, repositioning of the the oil business uh, really dispersed a lot of people that were in Houston that uh, got familiar with our brand early on and got displaced to other parts of the country and uh, as they as they were looking to uh, you know I guess they were a little homesick maybe for Texas they were looking for some some piece of Texas to uh, they would write us letters and, and uh, ask if we could send them a, a pie. We'd, so we get we get letters in the mail with checks and um, you know for a pecan pie, and we had to figure out how to how to ship that pie uh, and, and keep it intact along the way. So you know, one particular uh, afternoon, my father went to the liquor store, which was around the corner, uh, which is another story about uh, this this band, uh, Pappy Self, that used to play. Uh, his part of his payment was a bottle of Jack Daniels, so he'd go there on Friday afternoons. My father would and pick up a bottle of Jack for our fiddle player um, that would play in the in the evenings on Fridays. And he he kind of had this idea, uh, you know, these people wanted a pie and, and didn't know really how to ship it and keep it intact. And he saw these fancy uh, uh, pine boxes that fancy right. wines come in. So that's how that came around. So that's how that came around. He, he designed the box, being that you know he was a, a graphic designer, and uh, that became our, our vessel for shipping pies all over, all over the place. Um, that was uh, you know that was early early to mid '80s. And, okay. Uh, we used to you know produce those pies uh, out of the back of our uh, barbecue location, and then as we developed and, and opened Taqueria, uh, um, we opened a, a commissary kitchen. And uh, that's where we started centralizing our baking, both breads and uh, sweet goods and pies. And uh, that's where that business really kind of started to started to pick up. And then uh, early 2000s, 1999-2000s, with the World Wide Web taking hold, uh, it really uh, allowed that business to flourish. And uh, uh, that pecan pie has been the back, backbone of that business ever since. So from a customer request 
uh, to some special packaging in the early 80s to to about, uh, have any idea of, of the number of pies that are shipped annually now? I think we're up to at least a couple dozen. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, we're, we're staying busy. We've got a, we've got a, a 35,000 square foot kitchen and a, uh, and a call center and fulfillment center for, for our e-commerce business, uh, as well as uh, support for our, uh, our restaurants around town. That, that kitchen houses a full-service butchery. Uh, we've got a bakery for breads. We've got a pie and pastries uh, department. Uh, it allows us to, uh, to really um, take and make scratch-cooked foods um, to a level that uh, doesn't require us to have a kitchen that's five times the size of our dining room. Do you do any um, third-party delivery through that commissary kitchen uh, food? Um, I'm kind of handing that what's going on with the whole dark kitchen boom right now. You know, it's not really um, convenient probably for the, the folks that would be ordering uh, to the level that uh, would be needed to support something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're aware of, uh, of dark kitchens and these ghost kitchens. Uh, it's a, it surely is a, a, a way that seems a, to be uh, moving uh, pretty fast. Um, but primarily, this is just a kitchen that, that uh, we use to produce homemade stocks and s- sauces and uh, seasonings for our meats, et cetera. And uh, we, distribute, we distribute seven days a week um, to all our restaurants. When did you develop off-premise catering? And is it strictly for the barbecue concept? Or does the catering and the events work with your other concepts as well? You know, again, the, it's been something that's organically evolved. Uh, catering was something that, uh, you know, we used to, back in the early days, it was somebody would call us up and say, hey, can you come, can you come you know, bring some barbecue out for our party we got going on? And uh, at that point in time, we had a, a big long neck beer bottle uh, barbecue pit, and we'd load a couple speakers in the back of the truck and roll out to wherever they wanted us to, uh, to, to cater whatever the event was. Um, Today, we uh, cater just about all the menu items uh, on any of our menus uh, around town. Uh, in fact, we had, a, we had a big job last night um, that was uh, for 4,400 people. That was uh, quite, quite the scene. Uh, they had lots of our items represented. But, um, yeah, we really enjoy catering. I, I think it's a, it's a business that um, there's a big demand for it. You know, Houston's a, a very much a, a thriving and diversified uh, business environment, and um, surely lots of hungry people out there looking for good quality, consistent food. Excellent. I'd like to touch on um, the process of concept development for those listeners that are out there that are kind of taken by the idea of wanting to jump into the business, do something for the first time. I mean, they've heard that this is a a family business that started, you know, years ago with your father's passion and from barbecue to taqueria to seafood concept. But maybe if you picked one of your current concepts, uh, like maybe the cantina and walk us through, how do you do the thinking uh, research, getting started with make, going from idea to then making the idea become a reality for the first time. Sure, uh, it's uh, it really starts off as uh, kind of the ab- absent-minded professor. You know, <laughs> it's not a very uh, organized uh, onset. It starts off with an idea. Um, you know, I, I, I travel a lot. I research. Um, restaurants around the country uh, quite a bit. I like going and, and seeing what's going on, following trends. And, and uh, so I, I feel like I stay pretty well um, uh, tied into what's going on uh, from a restaurant industry standpoint. Um, but I um, tend to focus on, you know, authenticity. What is, uh, what's the next evolution for our good company brand? And, and so it really kind of starts with roots-based and you know, what we stand for as a brand and, and uh, where there might be an opportunity for us to expand that brand within kind of our, our realm of expertise, if you will. Um, and then from there, I, uh, I tend to start, um, start with just writing a, writing a story about what it is I'm trying to do, kind of a concept narrative, if you will. Um, and then I'll, I'll go into, you know, uh, creating a menu. Um, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I think that... Um, you know, there, there's food is, is is surely an important part of of a restaurant and concept, uh, but 
uh, equally important is, is uh, the style of service and the hospitality as well as the environment uh, for which people uh, experience what you have to offer. And uh, this day and age, it's just, it's so important that um, uh, you try to get all three of those right. And it's a, it's a tough, you, know, you don't know until you, until, you, until you know or you don't know. Uh, once you open the doors, um, it, it's, it's good to, you know, when you, when you hit it right, it's good to hear uh, good, you know, praise from the public and, and what, uh, uh, and, and when it strikes a chord with the public, it's, uh, it's, it's very a neat thing. Good points. Good points. I, I, I really do. I appreciate that. It starts with what I think a lot of people would consider funneling, where you're taking the different things that you've seen, your research, development, ideas, kind of tossing them up, kind of putting them together. I like the idea of, of, of the concept narrative, trying to put together what it is you're trying to accomplish, sort of a storyline. I think that really kind of uh, helps and might resonate with some of the listeners. I also appreciate those other couple points you made were making sure that it is something that you're passionate about and that fits the brand, you know, fits who you are and uh, what you're wanting to do. And then lastly, I hope people took note that even when you're working on the menu, it all starts with the menu, obviously. We're nothing without the food. But knowing in advance that successful restaurants are much more than that today. You know, if you don't have that hospitality program, that well-understood concept. So I, I think I can understand those steps a little bit better. Thank you for that. Absolutely. It's uh, maybe going as far as, you know, it's almost like casting a movie. You know, what's, what's the, the bartender that's serving you that margarita? What, what's, what do they have to offer? What do they look like? What, what's, you know... What are they passionate about? Are they are they passionate about agave-based spirits? Um, are they able to have that, that conversation and really kind of... We're in the business of making people feel good, right? Whether it's with a margarita or a plate of fajitas or a chopped beef sandwich. And uh, I think really keying into that is, uh, is an important aspect of uh, uh, hopefully success at whatever you do. So it's the whole. It's got to come together. I guess what I'm hearing is like... You put pieces of a puzzle together that fit so that this way the guest gets it all. Uh, I think that's a good thing to make a note of uh, because in today's competitive landscape, um, if, it isn't, if it isn't all there, uh, the hospitality, the service, the design, and the food, um, you've got too much of a chance of missing. I agree. It's, uh, it's a tough thing to get right, but, uh, you know, encourage uh, anybody to step out there and, and uh, put your best foot forward and just you know think through uh, from a from the lens of the, of the of the guests that's coming in there what are they looking for what uh, what strikes a chord with them and uh, get out there and, and make it happen you know it makes me think of um, probably the we consider the leading organization in hospitality in the country is uh, is Disney and you go to one of their operations and it's very different from place to place, but you know you're at a Disney resort. And uh, again, as Levi said, it all starts with the people, doesn't it? And they call their staff members cast. And, and when you were talking about casting a movie, it, it really kind of struck me. You're, you know, that's maybe the heart and soul of your culture, if I'm if I'm hearing you correctly. That's right. And, and uh, you know, yeah, people have to work well together, and and, and sometimes that's uh, that's a tough thing to get uh, get right, but. You know, when you when you when you're putting out a good quality product that you can be proud of, that the people that are are serving and, and preparing uh, that plate of food can be proud of, um, you know, that 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 pride and passion is something that, that is infectious and and really kind of creates that uh, team team spirit. So, uh, really really happy that we have that in our our businesses. And how do you maintain that um, with different concepts and a lot of years? Um, what you just touched on, the idea of the team spirit, is there a particular program now for that you might be able to share with us on how initial selection is done, initial training, after onboarding? Is there ongoing uh, type of uh, uh, training or, or uh, cast you know, member activities that you do to kind of keep it going? Um, are, are, how, how are your units able to do that? Well, by no means have we reached the finish line, in my opinion, on that. It's, it's a constant, uh, constant effort for continuous improvement uh, in all areas, but in particular this one. Um, you know, we have, uh, when we hire, we, we have uh, interview questions that we um, like to focus in on, you know, not just, not just the technical side of the, of, 
the, the job you're hiring for. You know, there's there's lots of people that can, you know, maybe proficiently manage a restaurant, but do they really fit in from a cultural standpoint? So, you know, having questions that really kind of key into, you know, is this person aligned? Will they be a good fit? Um, because it's expensive. If somebody, they may have the skill set, but if they're not a team player or, or um, you know, aligned with others, uh, that they're working with, uh, typically that that just uh, doesn't work out. So um, while we don't get it right, get it right 100% of the time, we uh, we try to key in on that as far as the interview process, as far as the onboarding process and training process. That's something that we're always uh, looking um, uh, to improve on. It's an important important aspect to align expectations. You know, one thing that we've learned or that I've learned in this business is that. Um, you got to key in on what people are hearing uh, that, that are working uh, with you, and uh, you know, do they understand the task? Is it documented? Do they know what the expectations are? Because uh, I, I generally have the feeling that most people want to do well, uh, and um, you know, it makes their job a lot easier and, and everyone else's jobs a lot easier when you can uh, get that aligned and get those expectations set uh, on the forefront, um, and then go from there. A lot of operators, though, are telling us, nationally at least, uh, that it's a bit of a tight labor market right now. Um, what's your impression? Uh, it is. It's a, it's a very tough, um, it's the tightest labor market I've seen. I think I read somewhere in the past week that might be the tightest labor market since like 1969. Wow. Um, so uh, it's important. Um, that uh, for for us and I think anybody else in this business, you know, what what can we do to to continue to engage and continue to develop and and make uh, make our team um, feel like they're 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 valued and and uh, you know uh, contributing to the overall goal of our little little niche and 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 serving people, and making them. Uh, feel good and have a good time. So. so you're saying those intrinsic benefits, as they say in HR, mm -hmm. of employment are as valuable as how much they're taking home at the end of the week? I think there's definitely an aspect of that for sure. I mean, surely everybody needs to uh, get paid a fair wage for, for uh, what they do. And, and we, uh, we're constantly looking at that and figuring out what we can do to add uh, additional benefits to the overall package. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, people, people, you know, need to feel good about what they do, and uh, at least in my opinion. And motivation is, is a big part of uh, what we try to strive to, to bring in our, our business. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. I think, and I think uh, you making note of that and making sure that people in your organization are looking more than, uh, than what people <clears throat> say have done when they get hired, but how they do what they do, how they fit, uh, uh, helps right from the get-go, um, probably keeps you in a much better situation with less of that immediate staff turnover that we see sometimes when people are grab, sort of grasping and bringing in and then learning later that they don't fit. Well, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's almost like a band, you know, <laughs> and, and doing, doing garage band practice uh, before the performance. And, you know, we're performing um, every shift, every day. And so it's really hard to, if you got to bring in a, you know, a new bass player, or a new drummer every time you got a gig. Uh, <laughs> it, it's hard to hit all the licks. Uh, so, yeah, we we value uh, really uh, building and maintaining good teams and, and making sure that uh, uh, we're all uh, doing what we can do to put our best foot forward for our communities that we serve. Can we move on to marketing now? Uh, maybe you could share with us a little bit about your strategy to maintaining the brand. Uh, because you've obviously got a very well-developed uh, brand as a multi-concept, you know, hospitality group. But then each individual group, whether it's Armadillo Palace, which we hadn't talked about much, or the barbecue component, Taqueria, Cantina, are kind of different. So does that <clears throat> you know, make it a little more challenging as you do your marketing? And if so, how do you meet the challenge? Sure. I mean, well, there, there surely is a lot of... Um there's a lot of con connectivity. I mean, they're, 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 they're at the base level of our brands and what we have to offer. I mean, the common denominator is, is Texas food, lifestyle, and, and hospitality. Uh, so that's shown in, uh, in all that we do, uh, like to think it is anyway, uh, surely in the, the concepts that we have under good company brand. Uh, but from a marketing standpoint, um, 
we have, uh, it's something that we're constantly looking at, uh, you know, how can we better communicate? How can we, um, what can we offer? What are, what are we hearing from our, from our guests and, and what else can we do to, to uh, enhance that experience and, and make them, uh, you know, feel good about uh, spending, spending money with us and um, you know, enjoying uh, our offerings. So there definitely has a different, uh, there's a different marketing approach for every, every concept and to that, uh, to that matter, every location that we have. Uh, got a great team uh, from a marketing standpoint um, that we've added over the last couple years just to keep up with, uh, with keeping that, uh, that communication on the forefront. I mean, there's just so many channels of, of communication these days and, uh, uh, you know, prior to, to bringing someone in, uh, in a marketing role, it landed really on my shoulders and, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I love marketing. I, it's, it's, it's a neat, I'm a neat, I mean, it's a, I'm a student of marketing and it's a neat uh, aspect of, of our business um, and, and seeing what, uh, what works and what doesn't, but it's a constant uh, learning process. and. You know, throw a bunch of lines in the water uh, and and see, mm-hmm. see what uh, see what bait works. But uh, you know, we from a marketing standpoint, we stay away from. Uh, uh, we don't like discounting. We don't like uh, you know, gimmicky type of you know, of marketing things. Uh, so we're we're really kind of focused on talking more about our our people, um, our process and and prep and cook. Um, our sourcing, how we, uh, what we represent, I mean, really what's, what's uniquely different about our brand versus uh, what else is going on in the marketplace. And that's really where our focus is as far as marketing is concerned. What are you finding out in terms of social media that's working particularly well for you? Um, short video it seems to be, uh, be something that really, uh, really connects with people. I think, uh, that's something that, that we're keyed in on as far as uh, this year and, and more short video. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting in the kitchen a lot more this year. We've been kind of busy opening restaurants the last few years that I hadn't had the, the opportunity uh, as much as I'd like to to uh, to get in the kitchen, uh, both indoor and outdoor, and do some cooking. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to that this year. We're gonna we're gonna. Uh, share some of those some of those escapades with the with the public uh, mm-hmm. through social media and short video. So really looking forward to that. But it seems like it really connects uh, more so than I mean. There's just a very much a um, an astute uh, audience out there that uh, you know they uh, they're tired of uh, uh, inauthenticity. They're they're tired of of you know salesy type uh, type. Uh, promotions and and post um, they're looking for you know kind of a peek behind the curtain of really what's uh, what's at the core of what you do and what makes that unique and different and so that's uh, that's where our focus is as far as marketing is concerned and then are you able to do as you mentioned uh, when you bring someone in for marketing are you able to kind of manage the marketing process by having it all in-house or do you select some public relations or other type of professionals to work with the management of your brand too sure we uh we, we use a, a public relations company um, to really kind of be the conduit for our local uh, media uh, outlets and, and um, uh, where we have opportunities to, whatever the story might be, to, to be involved uh, in those stories. We surely uh, enjoy doing that. Um, so it's really kind of offshoot of our, of our marketing uh, program, but uh, a majority of it's managed in-house. Got it. So in terms of uh, the future, um, yeah, looks like you have plenty of good years ahead to uh, build your business. Um, what stuff keeps you up at night? What stuff uh, keeps you excited about uh, the next thing? Keeps me up at night. I always, uh, I'm always up at night. It's, it's just, uh, I guess, how I'm wired. Uh, this whole business keeps me up at night. It's, uh, you know, you're only as good as, as your last plate served, and uh, how well you do that. Um, What's the bit? What are the challenges that um, you're seeing right now in this particular market, or in terms of your plans for future growth? Sure. Um, surely, labor is going to be uh, at the top, even though we have uh, such a strong tenured uh, uh, team uh, and teams across uh, our organization. Um, you know, as we grow, we need we need more more solid uh, folks to join our team. And um, so that's something that, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned early on, it's, I think it's the most important 
ingredient to the recipe of success in, uh, in the restaurant business. So we're constantly you know, looking uh, to, to continue to, to bring on great people and, and uh, you know, the people that we do have continue to develop them. Because uh, as you grow a business, um, you know, it, it requires uh, different skill sets, different nutrients to make it continue to grow. And, uh, you know, going from one restaurant or one location to two to, you know, however many you want to go, uh, requires a little bit different uh, approach of how you get there and manage that to the same level of success. Mm-hmm. And to that point, maybe you could share with the listeners that how do you stay relevant over the amount of years? Uh, I mean, I know you've got multiple concepts, but if we started with your very first one, barbecue, and how how to stay fresh, how do you maintain relevancy so that you're still busy as the market is changing, as say other chefs enter the market with uh, you know with their particular barbecue concept, because that's such a challenge. No, it really is, and it was uh, it was something that that we uh, continue to have focus on. You know, I mean, relevancy is uh, very very vital to. Uh, you know, we've we've all seen restaurants that, that don't or can't evolve with what's going on. Uh, I know, and, and you hate to see them when they slip away, but but you're right. I mean, you know, they have a good say 10, 15 year run. You love them, and then uh oh. Uh, all of a sudden you start saying, I don't remember why I don't go there anymore. And then bingo, it's something else. Uh, that's not happening in your case. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, it's it's something we focus on and, and have focused on for quite some time. I think opening uh, some of the, the more recent concepts that we have uh, has, has also introduced that we, you know, we're, we're here and that uh, we've got new things going on. So I think innovation is an important part of uh of staying relevant. Um, okay. You know, I, I was reading on my Twitter news feed this week about a, a restaurant in San Francisco. Actually had a very long run, very popular, and it recently shuttered and they interviewed the owner and the owner said, well, you know, just the newer, younger people coming into Silicon Valley, into the Bay Area, they're just not as interested in being loyal. Um, and our customer base is getting older and older and older, and, and we just can't seem to create the loyalty with these younger dining consumers that we could with our previous generation of dining consumers. Um, what would you say to that uh, that owner? Um, based on your experience, uh, you've seemed to um, uh, manage to uh, overcome those challenges. Uh, I think I read the same article. Was it the Steakhouse in San Francisco? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, I read that article. Right. Um, so, you know, I guess. Uh, well, I don't know if I'm lucky or, or fortunate, but uh, I'll take I'll take luck any day. Uh, <laughs> um, the aspect of me being a second generation uh, family business, um, and the way I grew up in the business, um, and have experienced life. Um, through uh, through our restaurants and and uh, outside of our restaurants, uh, it, it, it's it's a bit of a I mean surely a different. Uh, I'm looking through a different lens than say my father did, and uh, so second generation uh, I think has has helped us um, you know look at it a little bit different perspective and and figure out you know what do people uh, what are people looking for. Um, uh, out of a restaurant mm-hmm. and uh, that are my age or even the generation uh, coming up under me. So mm-hmm. I feel like I've got a little bit uh, better connection um, just from an age standpoint there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we have a lot of great uh, great leaders in our organization that are also kind of in that, uh, that millennial uh, generation. Um, but we're, you know, we're trying to create restaurants that, uh, that aren't, um, you know, Aren't trendy, but really um, you know, focus on on long term. Uh, you know, building iconic restaurants is really what our goal is, and and that's uh, focused on you know really kind of our craft and style of cooking, and how do we you know really envelope that in an environment that's going to be conducive and, and uh, enjoyable by you know generations to come. Mm-hmm. So I think I think uh, you know good consistent quality um, is uh, something that. Uh, people are going to enjoy for, for years to come. As far as the, the steakhouse in San Francisco, um, man, it's just a, it's a tough business out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, to, to evolve, um, sometimes you've got to take chances and you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of get out of your comfort zone and, and have the, 
you know, hopefully have the, the skill sets uh, within your organization if you don't possess them yourself to be able to, you know, continue to innovate, innovate and evolve. And that's something that uh, we innovation's always been a, a strong part of our business um, and, uh, and continues today. Mm-hmm. So the points that I'm hearing there are very, very good points is that you're never resting on your laurels because you're successful. You're staying innovative to stay fresh. And that last point I think is real important. I guess it's the closer you stay to your customers, the smarter you are. Uh, as your customers shifting, changing, getting younger, and you're staying close to them. Very, very good. Good points. Thank you. And it always uh, impresses me. I'm here I'm talking to somebody who went to culinary school. Food's very important. Quality of food's very important. And no doubt the, the quality of the menu at your restaurants are excellent. And the conversation always gets back to it's a people-first business. Yeah. I know, I know, look at all of that, that's true. Or even the direct point that, you know, when we're talking about development of concept, of course it's menu, but before menu, there was research on customer, there was storyline, it's about the concept, because if it isn't well understood, you might miss the target. These are excellent points. Um, yeah, and, and you're right, especially coming from a chef, well, you yeah, would expect and, would always be talking about recipes. And, I'm, <laughs> and, and what I'm hearing is that excellent food, consistency, quality, that's your passport into the business but to have the kind of success that levi has enjoyed for over these years um it's got to go beyond that it's got to you got to have a team to make it happen every day well absolutely and uh, and we're blessed to have uh, such a good group um you know to, to your point i mean there's there's uh i mean there's good food out there but to, to pr- produce and, and actually sustain a business mm-hmm. uh, acumen around that and um, you know it starts with people coming in the door yes but uh, at the end of the day you got to be able to uh, to manage the the ins and outs of, of business operations and uh, make sure that the value proposition is where it needs to be and that uh, you know your quality is uh, uh, what meets your standards on a shift in a shift out basis excellent so, Chris, do we want to launch into our, our fave fives? I think that's a good idea. Yeah, Levi, what uh, Barry's referring to is we, we like to kind of summarize here towards the end um, to let the listeners um, gain just a little bit more knowledge of who it is that they've been listening to. We have what we call the fave five. If you'd uh, care to participate, we've got five quick questions that we'd like to know just a little bit more about you. You ready? Sure. So what's your go-to food, your comfort food when you take a break? Typically, it's it's Italian food. Um, you know, my grandmother was uh, uh, Italian. Uh, my mother's Italian, and uh, so that's, that's comfort food uh, outside of what what our restaurants are. You know, it's a nice little change up from from barbecue. Yeah, I, and, well, our family loves you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what's your favorite place to visit? Uh, any particular trips or vacations you've taken that are particularly memorable, and uh, you look forward to going back again someday? Sure. Well, one of the uh, one of the places I really enjoy, and I try to make it uh, make it there a few times a year, is uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like uh, New York um, is a is a great um, it's just a, it's a great city, a great restaurant city, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, yeah. you know, even in six month periods, you see uh, great restaurants that you know are getting uh, getting turned over and, and new things uh, uh, sprouting up. So I think it, it definitely is a place where um, you know. Competition is, is at an all-time high, and, and I really uh, appreciate and enjoy um, the, the level of uh, uh, how people uh, operate in that environment. Uh, so I enjoy New York City quite a bit. A lot of energy there. Absolutely. Uh, what's your favorite restaurant uh, anywhere, anywhere in the world? Favorite restaurant you've been? If I could eat, uh, enjoy dining eight hours a day, I would. Um, but I, I really uh, enjoy dining. I've had uh, I've had great meals all over the all over the place, but um, uh, so it's hard to pick just one. But a standout would be probably one of the best uh, you know, best experiences I had was probably at uh, the French French Laundry in Yountville. Oh boy! Okay. Place. All right, wine country. You can't beat that one. Yeah, no, that's it's an iconic, a, isn't it? It's a it's a six seven hour uh, experience. It's not your <laughs> it's not your average Friday night, but uh, it, it was uh, uh, quite an experience. Just the level of detail. Uh, that they go through, uh, you know, their, their kitchens are, are carpeted oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the finest of ingredients from all over the world um, wow. is, is quite an experience that I really enjoyed. 
Levi, um, is there a particular person who's been especially influential in your life? It, it could be a family member. It could be somebody inside the restaurant business or outside the restaurant business, but somebody who uh, uh, really provide you some inspiration. Uh, sure. I mean, no, no question. My father had a lot of uh, mm-hmm. had, had a lot of influence over me, uh, and watching him work and what was important to him uh, definitely. Uh, uh, I think gave me um, a lot of a lot of neat skills that I don't think I could have learned uh, out of a book mm-hmm. by any means. Uh, being that he was that creative type, he always tended to uh, address challenges or opportunities in, in, a, in a creative uh, way, which uh, involved not uh, not jumping to the first conclusion, but uh, really you know really assessing and evaluating what that challenge or opportunity may be, uh, and knowing that uh, there's not just one singular answer to, to solving issues and, and how they arise. Uh, perseverance is another one. I mean, we, we didn't open to wild success. And, um, you know, in this business um, over the years, we've had our fair share of challenges and, and things to deal with. Um, and, uh, you know, persevering through that um, uh, really is kind of what, what separates, uh, you know, sometimes success from failure. So, Surely. Um, Having that uh, that type of uh, mentor as not only a young child but as a young adult growing up really uh, helped kind of pave the way for uh, where I am today. Well, and the last fave is uh, literature based. Is there a favorite book or passage that uh, hit you on target that you like to live by? Sure. Well, I, I brought a passage because uh, I, I thought you might ask that. And uh, one of my uh, my favorite quotes is from a a German poet back in the 17th century, uh, but I, I really like, uh, again, kind of back to that perseverance and you know, overcoming obstacles, and uh, it goes like this. Whatever you can do or dream, you can. Begin it. Boldness, boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. So for all you guys that are thinking about jumping into uh, the restaurant industry, um, I... Uh, I say go ahead and do it. Life's short and play hard. Uh, Great message. Very great. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I think everybody uh, uh, is is better for your sharing uh, so openly your experiences and your knowledge. We really appreciate the time you've given us today. Uh, Thank you so much. You can come back anytime. Visit with Barry and myself here on the Corner Booth. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Levi. Hey, thanks for joining us today on The Corner Booth. Until next time, it's Chris Tripoli and Barry Schuster saying thanks so much. Hope to see you again soon right here in The Corner Booth. Till then, go make it a good shift.